that is the Gold Cup hero. Two of the most admirable chasers you could possibly wish to see. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Race Hour podcast brought to you with our friends at bookmakers.co.uk. It's myself, Dean Ryan. Uh, everyone is locked down in their own home towers, of course. Dermot Nolan is here. Hello, guys. How are you? Very good, Dermot. Good to have you back. And uh, Paddy Aspel is making a return for 2021. Paddy, how are you keeping? Hello again, lads. Good to have you, sir. Um, in the usual uh, style of the Race Hour podcast, I must mention, actually, that we are moving to a Thursday slot. Uh, if you were looking for our podcast yesterday, apologies. From now on, it will be out on uh, Thursday afternoon, late evening. And uh, that's where you'll catch us from now on. Um, we're going to do a review of a few of the horses that ran over the last week or so. And then we're going to talk about how we solve a problem currently, like the Champion Hurdle and the Stairs Hurdle at the Cheltenham Festival. Um, and after that, we'll be having a look at action from Haydock. Uh, please God, it does go ahead. Looks unlikely, although they think they're going to go ahead. Ascot and a little bit of Taunton thrown in and some weekend naps in the second half of the show. OK, we'll, we'll get underway. Um, I guess the news to kick off with, lads, is there was a little bit of a shock announcement. Although I think the word was going around for a few days uh, before it was officially announced that David Mullins has quit the saddle. Um, obviously known for Grand National uh, win on Rule of the World. And... Um, well, fantastic ride that was. A horse also never won a race before uh, the Grand National, I think, if I'm right. It was a maiden over fences demo. But, I mean, that was that's a pinnacle. But, I mean, he's a young man. He's, he's gone out of the game early. He has, Dean. But I, I, I think it's testament. And I, I kind of admire it in a way. You know, he, he said he just hasn't been happy doing it for about two years. And I listened mm. to the uh, Nick Look podcast this morning. And his father, Tom, was on talking. And just said, even two years ago, I think it was the Galway Festival, he said that David was riding a few winners um, had a great week and he still wasn't happy after it. And just kind mm. of, you know, I think these, these, these young lads sometimes from, from racing families, you know, you'd have a good weight, clearly very talented. And I think you can just kind of get shoehorned into it, can't you? You know, and uh, I'd say, yeah, that's what you're going to do. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if he's not happy. He's not happy. It's a very brave call at this time of the year. And it's just clearly Dean, it's an unbelievably hard job. I mean, like when you look at, all the jockeys that we have on associated with the race hour, obviously, you know, Paddy Aspel had injuries, so he walked away after a fine career. But Keith Dunhu, he he packed it in uh, for a while. He came back. Mikey Fogarty, he packed it in. He came back yeah. for a while. David yeah. Mullins has packed it in. Hopefully, he might come back, maybe, but I don't see it. I, I think it just also screams to the fact Dean, that there's there's kind of two or three jobs in Ireland that that you really want, and after that you're you're struggling. Like you know, for a jockey like David Mullins not to be on more horses is obviously very very tough for him as well. But like even this season, we all know about the rides and Kemboy and all the rest of them. But Baron yeah. Vidon Dean, who our listeners will hopefully have backed earlier on the season, David Mullins gave that an absolutely perfect ride at Navin this season only. You know. And even the ride on Kemboy, he was very lucky at Christmas and when arguably Mellon kind of killed him in a way that he, he wanted to lead and the two of them kind of took each other on. But David Mullins was very much at the top of his power. But at the end of the day, if you're not happy, you're not happy. And he's taken this decision and the best of luck to him because um, as we know from the preview 19, you wouldn't meet a nicer guy and uh, mm -hmm. I wish him all the best. 
yeah, a, a proper gent and a very talented man. Uh, no longer going to be riding Paddy. I mean, it did, it has come as a, as a shock for sure, given the age and you know the opportunities that he does get, even without having one of those top you know two or three jobs that are out there. Yeah, but you guys were saying this was you had you heard this on the grapevine um, over over your side. Yeah, there were whispers around that you know he was um, he was going to take at least a break, and uh, the break seems to be permanent at least for now. Yeah, well, I suppose. Look, he's got bags of time. He's he's twenty four, and um, you know he's he, he's relatively low mileage as far as as jockeys go. So, but he, uh, I did read the article, and you know he seems very keen on on the breeding and the, yep. the buying side of it. So, look, I mean, the thing is, he, he he's a, he's had he's had a pretty short but quite compact career. You know, he's he's done very well in a short period of time and uh, I'd, uh, he's a fellow I don't know but I'd probably echo your sentiments and, and say that he always came across as a, a very level and grounded guy and uh, good luck to him he sounds like he's he's got his head screwed on. does show you though Paddy that you know even someone as obviously well connected as he is and the heritage that he comes from in terms of you know the family name as much as that can be a burden as well as a, a great push into into the industry that being a jockey is tough life isn't it it's very tough yeah and i mean look the thing is you know it's not like he didn't ride many winners or you know he would always ride ordinary horses every day and if he is struggling to get as much of a kick out of it as as maybe what he should be you know he, he's been very honest with himself and look there could, yeah. there could be other lads there that would 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 take your hand off to sort of get some of the opportunity that he's had and you know he's he's, he's bitten the bullet and He's got, he's going to go down another avenue, so all the yep. very best to him. Yeah, no doubt he remains in the game, and he will he will do other things. Sorry, Demma. Uh, Dean, doesn't it? Um, it also though, if Paddy Mullins isn't allowed to ride at Cheltenham because he's an amateur, the likes of Brian Cooper or Brian Hayes or whoever is the kind of third in line then behind Danny and Paul Townend. All sure. of a sudden, Brian yep. Cooper, who who rode Franco de Port brilliantly at Christmas for Willie Mullins, these the likes of these lads are are potentially coming into some serious rides, aren't they? Yeah, very true. And, um, you know, someone like Brian, who who was at the very, very top and then, you know, almost went off the radar completely for a while. It's been in renaissance with Paul Nolan a bit and now picking up rides for the likes of Willie Mullins, as you mentioned there. Um, you know, they, they hopefully will, will see this as an opportunity and get some opportunity because, you know, the quality doesn't go away. Sometimes the horses do. And that's the... That's the difference, isn't it? So, yeah, you could well be right with that. Uh, we do wish him well, uh, a friend of the podcast, obviously a friend of the preview nights. Um, perhaps maybe we'll be able to coax him into uh, giving us his view on all the Cheltenham races during the preview. We don't know uh, what, what David will be up to, but we will be in touch, no doubt. OK, why don't we um, kick on then? I mean, the big race of the weekend that was the big focal point um, from last weekend was Envoy Allen going to take on Asteria and Falange in that grade three at Punchestown. And uh, Paddy, uh, it didn't last long before we knew which way the race was going to go because Asteria and Falange's jumping uh, once again didn't hold up and uh, as early as the first. Yeah, and I mean, look, the thing is, he he had sort of plenty in his favour to give Envoy Allen a race the other day, obviously in receipt of that weight and going right-handed, but... You know, I thought Ruby went through the race, the Limerick race before, um, beforehand, and you know he he made the point about Asteria for launch. Obviously, we've seen this thing with him jumping right over turtles, but when he did tip up at Limerick, he said, you know, really the horse shouldn't have fallen because it's more of a case he gets very very lackadaisical with his front end, and you know if he is brushing one, he's he's not doing enough to get the landing gear out, and he's he's literally just toppling over and. I mean, although there was a good long run to the first at Punchestown the other day, and horses can switch off. I mean, he it was an identical fall. He got in deep, 
right into the bottom board, but he's just far too casual with his front end. And, and um, you know, the first thing that, that that's hitting the ground is, is his head, the far side, and just very, very casual. So, yeah, obviously, as a spectacle, it was it was, it was was taken from the race at, at a very early stage. But I just thought that the second in the race ran an absolute screamer. And, you know, yeah. I didn't want to take from him by Alan at all because, you know, Gordon made the point afterwards, he is quite a laid-back horse and even to look at, you know, he's he, he he's he's just a lovely animal, but he doesn't get stressed about much. And probably the fact that, you know, for so long now, he has found things quite easy. So you are going to switch off a little bit. Um, but yeah. I couldn't have cribbed him at all the other day. I thought he fenced very well. I just thought the second run an absolute screamer. But, you know, he he, he done absolutely nothing wrong for me. And, and um, you know, I think it's it's um, onwards and upwards for him, Alan. Yeah, it has to be. I mean, you just you just get the impression he's just not tested at any level really yet. And um, until I mean, at Cheltenham, in fact, where he was kind of a little bit behind them all and came through to win his race, I thought he did super professionally and was woken up by David Russell. Ideally, he hasn't had to do that yet of offences, and um, you know, he would just excite you as as he should. And uh, the second you mentioned Phil Dodari, did run a big race and probably finished a little bit closer uh, than than anyone anyone would appreciate with three and a half lengths behind uh, Derma. I mean, people will crib uh, Envoy Allen for you know not going and destroying these types of fields but it really doesn't have to does he this is all about progression and the big tests are to come no and I think Keith Dunne who has said it on his on his column several times as well for bookmakers Dakota UK that when this horse is working at home you could put him next to a you know a 60 rated flat horse that's on his way to the dock and um and by Allen would would beat him by by two lengths of the running it's just what he does and what like you couldn't be impressed but you couldn't knock anything that he did either he, he's just a brilliant jumper you know he, he never looks yeah. in trouble Jack Kennedy didn't even need to tell him once really either what he was doing and the most impressive part was when he was running up towards the last and Asterian Falange um, and Sempo kind of ran across him a lesser horse would have maybe you know been kind of spooked by that but he doesn't he was just staring at the fence and he, he jumped a brilliant thing Jack Kennedy said that afterwards as well that he's just the consummate professional and yeah. it really is is it's getting to the point now where we're just not going to know how good this horse really is until he falls into open company next season. And, you know, like we don't yeah. know what, what way he could go because it would be really fun, if, you know, if they tried him over two miles and then brought him up to the kind of Gold Cup trip like like uh, Paul Nichols did with Cato because, like, I do believe that this is the kind of horse that we're looking at. I know yeah. why people are underwhelmed, but I think people are frantically trying to find something to take him on with. And I just think that the one of the quicker ways to the poorhouse is, is to be backing against... And by Alan Dean, he's just something very, very special. He's my my favourite horse in training. I just love how effortless he does everything. And I'm just really looking forward to kind of next season. And, do you know, the people knock Dean the fact that he just about does it. But isn't the fact that he holds so much back means that, like, barring an accident, which, of course, could happen, and by mm. Alan's leaving himself in the perfect position to be a horse that goes for a long time because he, he doesn't yeah. put himself under all that much pressure. We've seen an awful lot of good horses like Goshen and all the, these kind of horses that kill themselves when they're racing and they all kind of fall away quickly. The likes of him by Allen, he holds back an awful lot and, you know, we'll have him for a long time, please God. Yeah, that's very fair. I think plenty of people would echo that. I mean, Paddy mentioned that, you know, he, he's kind of dossing and, and all of that, but he's just super intelligent, isn't he? So I think he's allowed to do it. You get other horses who do it um, and maybe need the jockey to kind of wake them up. It's almost like M4 Allen will do it when it's necessary. And I, I'm really excited about him, as you say, in open company, and that will be next season. I mean, he's got, they're going to have to get the marsh out the way. That looks like the target. Um, at Cheltenham and it looks like the right trip and you know the opposition will be stiffer um, but you wouldn't imagine there'll be any issues in there and I think the anti-post markets will 
obviously tell you that. So super exciting to see Ember Island. Shame we didn't get the contest that we perhaps, you know, many people are hoping up to be a proper match with Asteria, Asteria for launch. Um, some of the other horses that ran over the weekend, I guess, will be worth a mention. I thought Adramel was very good. Um, winning his, his handicap hurdle in good start. I thought there was a little bit more left under the tank under Dickie Johnson. Imperial Alcazar is on a lot of people's lips for their potential after winning a qualifier very well. We saw Next Destination get the better of Fiddler on the Roof in a bit of a match-up there, and Fiddler on the Roof continues to to find one or two too good now and again. Uh, Aramax was a, a bit of a surprise winner in the JP Colours at a big price under under Keith Donahue as well this weekend. And, and a horse called Dereal Deal uh, continues to... Um, D d defy things by going on and winning a grade two from from a very low start in base derm i might throw them all at you you can pick anything you want yeah the uh the real deal was amazing wasn't it because like after the race the um after the race of course the the trainer said that the horse hadn't eaten and like just hadn't done anything right at all coming up to the race and they did they just said that they'd run him and i thought uh dennis o'regan just 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 gave him an absolutely cracking ride uh, dennis o'regan is brilliant at that you know the, the real hold up rides and he's a jockey that kind of maybe doesn't get the uh the credit that he deserves sometimes and then but a, the the kind of the real big performance from from the last week or so dean was um bob ollinger winning the the dollars yeah. in ace grade one obviously beating uh blue lord like that was a serious performance um but i have a few concerns with him like uh, i just i'm not mad about his hurling technique i think he's, he's gonna be a great chaser but he kind of leaves himself a bit tight sometimes and he wasn't that clever over a few he's a massive engine so Cheltenham will definitely suit but the horse in second there Blue Lord I thought he actually ran very well for how much that he pulled the head off himself the whole way around and maybe letting him bowl on um at something like the Dublin Racing Festival we might find out a bit more about him he he struck me a small bit um he struck me a small bit uh, like a horse that maybe going back to uh, two miles might suit him really, really much so. But I think Willie kind of mentioned afterwards that they might just swap the tactics. He looks like a horse that really wanted to get on with it. So Blue Lord is one that I really wouldn't write off for something like a Ballymore. But Bob Ollinger and Braves Man's game, that looks like a serious Ballymore now. And um, as much as the Supreme doesn't look that deep, the, the Ballymore most certainly does. And uh, Bob Ollinger was very impressive, I thought, too. Fair play, Demo. Yeah, good one to call out. Uh, Paddy, over to you. I mean, I mentioned a lot of horses. Demo found one that I didn't even mention and should have included. Um, what did you make of some of the best of the weekend? Yeah, I thought Gordon's horse in, in the bumper on Saturday, Jerry Colomb, looked very, very good. Um, yeah. You know, he, he cost an awful lot of money when only just getting home in a point-to-point -point last March. But obviously, he's a horse who's, who's summered well and trained on very well. And although Willie's horse who finished finished third in the end he was very green they were a long way behind um this this winner i mean it was it was a serious performance um and like the thing is he was handy all the way and he went through the worst of the ground or it was seen the ground on saturday it was really really taking his toll but I'll tell you one yeah. thing he really wasn't stopping this horse and um yeah he was he for me a bit of a standout yeah okay so that's jerry colomba we won for the uh for the Cheltenham bumper, of course. And I think it's only like second on the race to Sir Gerhard. Is that the other one that they have as well that looks uh, yeah. looks super smart in that in that um, division? So yeah, I mean it was it was a really good weekend um, of you know races and horses to come out and and give you pointers for the future. So um, unfortunately, like I say, we didn't get the Envoy Allen Asterian Falange matchup, but we did see a lot of very good horses on display. Um, we will do uh, next week this weekend's racing. Uh, in the second part of the show. But what we're going to do now is try and solve uh, the problems that are the uh, the champion hurdle, the puzzles that are the champion hurdle and the stayers hurdle for um, Cheltenham 
in March. I mean, we're going to start with the champion hurdle. Current market has Epitant still uh, the favourite, despite a blip already this term. Around 9-4 to four is the best price. Then we have Sharjah, of course, who was so good at um, Leopardstown. Then we have Silverstreak, who is um, well very admirable and certainly deserves a position high enough in the market. Aspire Tower, who's come alive again this season. Sant Wahoo, disappointed in that Matheson uh, hurdle. Honeysuckle, still debatable whether Honeysuckle uh, might go this route. Um, they haven't kind of intimated which way they'll go, so the entry is there. And Buvade is going to return this weekend, uh, should Haydock be on. And the likes of Abracadabra, uh, the kind of rising star song for someone. And I might stop there because it's 20 to on the field, although I am leaving out Derma, one of your favourites in uh, Saudi, who um, you know maybe maybe should be included in the mix. Derma, you can go first. What do you make of the champion hurdle at this point? It almost looks like last year's race. It does. And that's why you can understand why Epitant is the price that she is. I know she was turned over at Kempton, but, you know, she made that bad mistake. And it has to be remembered that the second time Boo Radair won the champion hurdle, he was also beaten at, at Kempton. Um, the, yep. the one thing about Epitant is, though, is that I'm still keen to kind of take her on as, as good as she was last year. I just think that one or two of the younger brigade might just be improving enough or, or might at least just kind of have that improvement in them. Um, she still, there will be no surprise, and that's a real understatement to see her win again. She's she she is the one with the obviously with the Cheltenham Festival champion hurdle winning form. She she did that very easily, and it's um she she deserves to be where she is. But a two to one, nine to four, and there's seven to four even around in places about her. You think she'd had a flawless season, really, and uh, she hasn't had that. And it could have just been a case of Kempton also where Silver Streak's new tactics really suited him, but. I couldn't have him either for a, for a champion hurdle really overall. I think that was his his big day, and my God, did he deserve it? But I still just kind of wouldn't have him really as a champion hurdle contender. Um, Charger is a second favorite, and as much as this horse is absolutely brilliant, the, that win at Christmas he's done that before, and, and I know he was second in that champion hurdle last year. But when you watch that back, he's close enough at the last really to kind of go through with his effort and. I have a bit of a thought with this horse that I don't think he he got up the hill last year, really, to be honest. Um, mm-hmm. I know the ground that he could be much better on, on better ground, but he's gone through soft and heavy in his career before. And I'm just, I'm not sure the hill is particularly kind of what he wants. And at eight to one, I just wouldn't be sure. And then when you go down through them, St. Wa, there was no real excuses for, for Christmas. And Boover there was, he's brilliant. That was a serious injury he had. And I, I hope he can bounce back. The fact that the market's moving the right way would suggest yeah. so he'd be very interesting but still like like the one dean that and i can feel people rolling their eyes like like, like i think abacadabras that was a massive overreaction to that run at christmas i mean gordon gordon has come out a few times and has said his horses weren't right a lot of them scope badly he four winners from over 50 runners that's that's not like gordon you know and his horses just didn't run well they're only kind of running back into form now really um and keith dunne who said this in his blog as well it, it was plain for everyone to see that gordon's horses didn't run well but was this horse i'll start with the negatives of him of course he can appear soft at times yes he was maybe fortunate to finish as close as he did in the supreme novices last season yes maybe of course he was fortunate to win the morgiana but for a horse that people really knock he's amazingly consistent i mean like only he's only been out of the first two three times in his 12 starts one of them was a champion bumper dean where time hill who i'm sure you'll mention in the um in the stairs was just ahead of him on one occasion yeah. he he ran out and then the other occasion at christmas he was that was his third time but the yard was absolutely stinking he just that wasn't 
his running. And like you can knock him all you want, but it's his pace that gets him into these really good positions in races. And regardless of what else happened, it has to go into the credit bank for him that he was firmly on the bridle, hitting the last in the Supreme last year at Cheltenham. And I don't care what anyone says, he got up that hill no problem. And he was battled against a freak in Shishkin, who of course had a horror journey. But Abercadabras, people love to knock him, but he was still good enough that he was at the last traveling on the bridle and he'd no one to take him on past that point and I think because people don't like him they don't they just don't give him any credit at all I mean last season in the Royal Bondine he got within a length and a half of M. by Allen now you can dismiss that easily because that's what M. by Allen does he, he doesn't beat a horse far but the horse in third was Darver Star who was just under three lengths behind him that day and Char- Darver Star was the exact same distance pretty much behind Sharjah in the champion hurdle when he finished third and just over six lengths behind Appetant at Abigail was easily um, holding Darver Star in that race last season. The form stacks up really well, and I really hope the likes of uh, Silver Streak really goes for this from the start, because if Abigail can have something carry him a bit further, um, I think he might need to come off the bridle all that much. And I just, I think the likes of him, there's an awful lot of improvement in him, and I think the horse racing public, I'm guilty of it, we respond really quickly, Dean, to one bad run. I remember we mentioned it before in the podcast yeah. here that... Um, Presenting Percy was nine to four for a Gold Cup, lost the Gold Cup, and then he was twenty-five to one the year after. You know, and like one bad run from Abercadabras, and he's sixteen to one to win to win the race, where he has some serious form to his name. We know he goes well at the track. He's ran twice there brilliantly, and his speed will mean that he's able to get himself into a good position. So from an each way point of view, at the very least, I can see the angle with Aspire Tower. He's beaten him this season, but I thought the pace went against Abercadabras that day. I think um, Abercadabras and Aspire Tower, if Saldier turns up on the day and he's as big a price as he is, I will be backing him because I thought that was a good run at Christmas. But at the moment, for everything he's done, and I'm willing to completely forgive that that run last season, and the Supreme was only one second slower than that champion hurdle last season as well. I thought Abercadabras, it doesn't get the credit that he deserves and it's 16 to 1 i think he's a better chance than a lot of people are are giving him credit for d yeah i think that's a that's a super case made for abacadabras because it's hard to argue with with many of the points that you make there do you think they'll get another run into um the seven-year-old before Cheltenham? last season they didn't uh, but he'd run a lot better at christmas obviously than he did on this occasion he could go to leperstown and arguably the ground at leperstown which it just always seems to be very good for that uh, that meeting for whatever reason that really could suit him so he could but it wouldn't put me off dean if he didn't um they might yeah. just kind of try and get him back because he was one of the ones that gordon mentioned that 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 did scope badly afterwards he his run was too bad to be true no matter how how shit you think he is he, he he's not that bad and um yeah it, it wouldn't bother me too much yeah, and I can only see a price like that at 14, 16 to 1 uh, for a horse that's done so well at the festival before, albeit in defeat, but in, you know, the bumper and, and then the Supreme behind, as you say, uh, freaks both times. Um, I can only see a price like that contracting. So I think you make a very strong case at a good price for a horse, which is exactly what we're after at this point, looking at the champion hurdle. Uh, Paddy, I mean, I went through the market and Dermo's pretty keen on, on the value angle with Abracadabras and it makes a lot of sense. Um, what do you make of the race as it currently stands? I mean, a few of them might might divert. We don't know if the likes of Honeysuckle or, or Bouvardale get there, needs a comeback run, of course, and, you know, likes of Concertista in the betting and, and possibly have other targets. Gosham, we've seen uh, not come back and fire and obviously been disappointed on the flat. And when I say not come back and fire, I mean, was was desperately disappointed um, in, in December at Cheltenham Behind Song for someone. What do you make of this race? Yeah, I think I'd be pretty sure that Concertista will, will go down um, the mayor's route. Yeah. Dermo did... Um, where is he gone? Did 
Keaton, whoever mentioned about Abracadabra, if they were going to take that tongue tie off him. I mean, I know Gordon had, had, a, had a fairly ordinary um, leopard down at Christmas, but it looked yeah. to me like he, he really didn't go forward and face the tongue tie. Did they say anything about whether they'd, they'd pursue that? He's never mentioned it, Paddy, but I'll ask him next week. Um, that's a very, very good question that I wouldn't have thought of even. Um, but uh, he he's never mentioned a kick, no. Or, uh, I don't know. He he was that that was a very very ordinary run. But you know, as 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 plenty of of Gordons did, they didn't really show up at Christmas. But there was one here. I mean, look, we know all about obviously uh, Epitant. Um, yeah. I thought I thought that mid racer at at Kempton was very uh, unlike Epitant. I've never really seen her make a mistake. And generally, I think when, when a really, really good jumper makes a mistake, it's a very, very bad one because they get it badly wrong. And mm. I, mean, I know it's it's like when we watch the football, when you slow things down, they look worse. But when they slowed that mistake down of Epitance at Kempton, it was a real horrible mistake. And it looked to me like, um, you know, there was there, there was some sort of back injury. and um, But, you know, it never, never rose a gallop at any point. But that's not to take away from Silver Streak. It was incredible good ride on the day and he deserved his day in the sun and, and hopefully he comes a bit more to the to the sort of front of people's mind now as, as, as being a champion of hurdle horse but one here for me I thought at a massive price and I am a fan of him is, is song for someone and yeah he hasn't got any more entries at the festival this is his only entry now he's still available at around about 20s and the thing is he's not an over big horse he's a fairly ordinary looking chestnut visually he doesn't he doesn't really do that much for your eye but I tell you, boys, I think there's a serious engine in here with this horse. He's very, very tough. He's a good jumper. He's a good traveler. He ticks a lot of boxes for me, and he's just a little bit unfashionable. So I think there's a bit of value to be had about song for someone. And the fact that when I've looked through it, I've not seen any other entries for him. Um, I, I, I think he's he, he's one there that's that's certainly a bit of value for me. There's something to be said as well, Paddy, when you are picking a horse like song for someone, is that. The prep has just gone exactly to plan. They picked two races. They went and won both, albeit, you know, only just nudging out Silver Streak at Cheltenham. But they've got a win at the track. They went and put in a big performance at Ascot when, you know, not necessarily fancied in a small field. Um, you'd imagine decent enough ground on the soft side at Cheltenham is going to suit and an unfashionable yard. You're going to get a good price, but they probably don't need to run again. And they can they can go straight there with everything in their favour for a big run. So, I completely understand that. I mean, is it worth mentioning the likes of, you know, Goshen, who was right at the top of this market before the couple of flat spins and that? Is it inconceivable, Paddy, that they could get Goshen back? You know, it's only five, so there's plenty of time left. And the other one I wanted to mention is is saint who was right at the top of this betting, but maybe, you know, suddenly found the, the proper open company in a big, big test at Leopardstown just too much, but only five and a bit lengths down. And at one point during the race, looked like St. Ra was going to come through and win. I mean, there's no, for me, that, that six-year-old could still improve and be be bigger in this, Paddy. Yeah, no, I, I think Dermo's right in what he says about the bulk of, of Gordon's string at, at Christmas Town at Leopardstown, or Christmas time, should I say. I mean, we really can't be digging too too deep into them performances. And, and you know, St. Ra, that was his first ordinary run now in a long, long time. Um, so yeah. I'd be happy to put a line through that. And then, as you say, about Goshen, I mean, if Cheltenham was next week, you'd be very, very happy because Gary Moore is absolutely flying along at the minute. But yeah, that was very, very ordinary behind uh, Song for Someone the last day. And he never looked happy. 
Um, you know, they, they they didn't do their usual. They they tried to drop him in, and you know, he it, it was just very very underwhelming. So it and that would take a bit of forgiving, considering. Um, I I've never read into the 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 two flat runs too too much really. Yeah, I didn't actually think he ran that bad, but the Cheltenham one certainly, especially off the back of. He'd missed some engagements, and we were a little bit in the dark as to, well, is there something wrong here? And then when mm. he finally did show up at Cheltenham, he's thrown in an absolute stinker. So you know you've you you the, the, you've got to forgive him a very very ordinary run last time. And just okay. as, uh, yeah. to pick up Paddy's point there on on Saint Walk, because obviously he's uh, that horse is is trained by Willie Mullins, but Willie's point yeah. overall stands because as Paddy was saying about Christmas time. Just you can get these odd results at Christmas time anyway, Dean. You know, there were there were some crazy results over Christmas. And um yeah. the likes of kind of St. Juan and stuff like you know, like Willie's had a tour beaten at Christmas. He, he's had a, a good few kind of horses and, and just some of those races at Christmas, you just left scratching your head, like you know, the King George and everything else. You just kind of were going, How the hell? And um like St. Juan just Again, it's just a massive reaction to one bad run, and um, you you kind of would want to see him at the Thrilling Race Festival, like Abercadabras and a few of them. But if they didn't, they still go into kind of into the Cheltenham Festival as, as still good horses. And saying Wah was was brilliant in that county hurdle, albeit off a low rating. So yeah, Dean, yeah. at fourteen to one and sixteen to one Abercadabras, you, you just couldn't put anyone off them. Like and Aspire Towers one that we haven't maybe given enough of a mention to as well. Like that was a that was a big run as well. He he was done by Sharjah at the end, but you could see maybe if they pull back the old motor on him a small bit and not make just as much use to him. He, he needs to be handy, but not as much. And um, you could see him getting home well as well in a, in a champion hurdle. But it, it's a great betting heat. Um, Epitant is the deserved favourite, but the likes of St. Wall, the likes of Aspire Tower, the likes of Abacadabras, the likes of Saldier, the likes of uh, Song for Someone, these these are improving horses and um, she's, she's very short really, isn't she? Yeah, I think so. And I, there, are, there are question marks about plenty of these. Not Paddy's one, who's picked one that's had a perfect prep and and, and is going to go rolling into the festival on, on definitely on an upward curb. And there is question marks about the others. And, and I, I'll include Bouva Dare. It's the last one I wanted to mention because we might see Bouva Dare this weekend. And if the 10-year-old came out and won, uh, if you look back through Bouva Dare's record, generally it has to fall to not be in the first two. And in all the big... Um, all the big races, it wouldn't be beyond the realms of possibility that Bouvard Dare turns up having won a prep race and would be a lot shorter than 14s as well. So I do think it's an absolutely fascinating heat. I think, you know, you two have made good points about some of the placeholders in here, likes of Sharjah and Silver Street. They kind of set standards that something's going to have to better or they will win. Um, but, uh, you know, as imagine there's a few sexier ones in here that will do something a little bit more on on the day itself and um, you know, even throw Saudi Air into the mix as you did earlier on demo and it is an absolutely fascinating race uh, we might take a quick break here and when we come back we'll do the stayers hurdle you're listening to the race hour podcast brought to you by bookmakers.co.uk check out bookmakers.co.uk each and every day for tips news and the best odds for horse racing looking for a new bookmaker and the best sign-off offers in the industry and you'll find that at bookmakers.co.uk sponsors of the race hour Okay, and welcome back to the Race Hour podcast brought to you with our friends at bookmakers.co.uk. It's myself, Dean Ryan, Dermot Nolan and Paddy Aspel. Uh, before the break, we had a look at the champion hurdle puzzle. And now we're going to move on to another one of the hurdling divisions. And it's the, the stayers. Um, 
okay, lads, I'll set the scene because we've we Paisley Park and Time Hill who have uh, have obviously jeweled it out, won a piece. Uh, we've Cider Burley, the the Irish Hope, and obviously a horse that does so well at Cheltenham. We've Benny Dejur in the mix, possibly going for a mare's chase or hurdles. We're not sure. Um, this would definitely be on the on the radar. We've Florin Porter, who's come from nowhere. Um, from a very shrewd yard. Roxana, another one of these standard berries, McFabulous, who doesn't quite look like it's the stayer that maybe they thought it was, although uh, certainly better the last day. And then you've got some real wild cards in the likes of uh, Champ, who hasn't seen a fence, but probably has fencing on the agenda in a gold cup. And the likes of the storyteller, Fury Road. And uh, Ronald Pump, who um, perhaps I might, you know, maybe just throw in at this early point, uh, looks overpriced for, you know, bookmakers.co.uk man. Uh, Keith Donahue, should he get the ride at that race at Cheltenham? So, I kind of set the scene. Um, I, I don't want to say it looks like last year's race because it, it doesn't this time round. I didn't even mention last year's winner who's in the betting at 33-1, to 1, Liz Nagar Oscar. Paddy, I'll let you go first on the stairs hurdle. Yeah, interesting. Um, Ronald Pump, we know that um, that Dermo is a massive Ronald Pump fan, but he's had very little luck really, hasn't he, um, yep. Ronald Pump? Because I know... He was a real eye catcher flashing home behind the great mare last time, but and he, he did run an incredible race. But I think Honeysuckle now and gen in general, she's quite cute. Um, she will only do, as we said earlier on about Embo Allen, only do the required amount. And I thought on the day a tactically brilliant ride by Rachel. Yep. Uh, but there's no doubt he, he he deserves his big day in the in in the sun, uh Ron Pump. And, you know, he, he's not won since November 2019, which is hard to believe. But since then, I mean, he, he's been second four times. Then, obviously, yeah. he tipped up behind Sarah de Burley at, at the Navin, which, you know, it, it was a rare blip um, for him. But certainly, he's no back number and, and he be, would be worth a few bob each way because you're going to get the bit of value. And, I mean, obviously, we know you're in the in the Time Hill camp. What did you think of the Ascot race, Dino? I just would have liked some. I thought he got mugged. I thought Time Hill was mugged by, um, and I thought Paisley Park actually probably could have won a bit further with a better ride. But Dickie doesn't know what's going on behind until it's almost too late. And I thought Time Hill ran a, a super race. And I would have Time Hill again in a rematch against Paisley Park. And the, the bookmakers are finding it a little bit tough to 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 disagree with that. Although Paisley Park has the previous uh, form in Open Company to back it up, but you know, hundred to thirty and four to one a pair seems about right. They are very closely matched with Time Hill possibly, um, I would say inevitably, a bit more to come up his sleeve. And I, I'd say Dickie was devastated he didn't win that race because at all points during the race until Paisley comes past, he's winning. Yeah, and I mean, the thing is, Dickie Johnson, he's a very uh, gently spoken, you know, sort of almost timid sort of character. You mm -hmm. could visually see him when they passed the line. Ah, furious. You know, he was furious. And I mean... It worked out so well at the end for Paisley because, I mean, it was pure jockey ship and race riding turning in. At the time, uh, Aidan Coleman was flat to the boards. He just didn't have enough horse where, where he poked, the gap he poked his head into. He didn't have enough horse at the time to stay there and hold his posse in. It was race riding and he, he did get squeezed out. But, I mean, luckily, mm. luckily they had a hill to climb then and, and he's winged the last two hurdles. But... Time Hill for me on the day was the better horse because he didn't, like you said, you know, he gubbed him. He didn't have time to react and respond exactly. again. He was he was so busy looking up into the stand that Paisley Park came with an awful lot of momentum and he is just out 
you know, he, he is literally gubbed him. Even if the third horse had been able to take Time Hill a bit further, he would have won, even with Paisley coming with that rattle. It was, it was very mm-hmm. unlucky for Time Hill and uh, the way it turned out, very lucky to Paisley Park. But I think you could tell that with an interview with Aidan Coleman after. He, he knew he'd, he'd had a, a, a plenty of luck on his side by having such a good horse and the Time yep. Hill was, was having a look around. But I think he summed it up as well also. He said, look, we're going to, we're going to butt heads plenty, um, hopefully in, in in the future, and you know we'll, we'll probably have have different a different result on another day. The beauty, yeah, I agree. And the beauty of it is, Paddy, is that you know if you're in the camp of Paisley Park, you've got Aiden saying, "Geez, that didn't go to plan, but I still won." So that's great. So you can think, well, there's going to be more. We beat him again. And if you're in the Time Hill camp, you've got Dickie Johnson going, well, I never even got a chance to react to what happened. So we would have won. And that's that's why this is a great division. And it's not just about those two horses, but they are fascinating rivals now going into uh, Cheltenham. I, I understand Time Hill won't be running again. I think Philip Hobbs has come out and said that. Um, we, we could possibly see Paisley again. Yeah, I think so. I mean, like these two um, so far, obviously, they've had two meetings. Um Time Hill won the first battle at at Newbury, obviously, and then and then we had the Ascot race. But the thing about the thing about the um the Newbury race, the the long distance hurdle was obviously Paisley was on the comeback trail, but everything went perfect for Paisley that day, mm. and mm. Time Hill beat him by a length and a half. That's what makes me think that I think probably on a balance, maybe if they were to meet, sort of. However, another they've already met twice. If they were if they were to meet another three times, I would probably have Hobbsy's horse probably winning the argument percentage wise as to to who could yeah. be on the on the on the right side of the argument. Yeah, I I would agree with that. I'm firmly in the Time Hill camp. As much as I respect uh, Paisley Park, and you know, albeit the blip in the race last year, and the problem seems to be solved. Uh, Derma, I'm, I'm going to come to you about this. I mean, it's maybe it's not just about those top two, although they are fascinating rivals in this division now. That's it. I mean, the uh, the first two, I I completely agree. I think Time Hill is a cracking horse, and I would probably be waiting until the day anyway. I don't think he'll be much shorter than he is now because. This is uh this is definitely the most stacked division we've had. And you know, like the the few Gordons like Fury Road and Benny to do and st- or not Benny to do, sorry, sorry to Burley, they would uh, they would come into this as well, obviously, because you know, again, you have to kind of forgive um a few runs of Gordons at Christmas and maybe at Goran Park they might be able to put the the record straight between them because just Fury Road there looks a, a decent enough price now considering how well he ran as well in that um that Albert Bartler last season. And you know, that was one poor run again. Yep. And the market has massively overreacted to it. But I've said it before and I'll say it again. And I think this horse should have went over fences. I'm not convinced that he's a, a stayers hurdle kind of stayer type. I I think he'd be a real proper, proper stayer over hurdles. And I'm not sure he is that. But the two that I thought were kind of overpriced here are 20 to 1 and 22 to 1 respectively. I thought uh, the Storyteller and Ronald Pump are the two that I've kind of slimmed it down to as the ones that I'm interested in backing. I mean... If the ground is anyway okay in the day, I think the storyteller could run absolutely huge. I mean, second in the pretemps last year, just about behind um, behind Sire de Burley by half a length af- after traveling all over him. And this horse has actually only improved afterwards at 10 years old, which is amazing. You know, nine going on 10, obviously. And he's he's a grade one winner over fences after winning the big one up at Down Royal. And he's won grade two races. And he probably doesn't get the credit that, he deserved for that run behind Florian Porter Christmas when he made a terrible mistake three out and had an awful lot to make up. And he was the only one coming from the back that day. And he managed to uh, to get, it was six lengths 
in the end, but still he was really he was really staying on afterwards. So if the ground was to come up any way better than than it did last year, I think the um the storyteller will have a hand in this. But I thought Ronald Pump again, it's very predictable for me as as Paddy said, but Ronald Pump was second in this race last year. Brian Cooper gave him a great ride. I'm not knocking anything about it, but I thought the ride last year was very much a ride deemed to pick up the places. And yeah. I think it only hit Brian Cooper maybe two out that, God, you know, I can win this. And he came through. But by the point that he'd come through, Adam Wedge had given Lisner Oscar a complete belly full of air again. And that horse went on after getting the, the complete run of the race and this horse is a complete credit to Matthew Smith because he's just improving year on year I mean the pretense looked to be the target when he finished second in that race last season and then they kind of tilted him at the the stairs hurdle and like this was a horse who had looked like he was going places over fences as well I mean he absolutely hammered Captain CJ and Papaum and Galvin back and forth at, at Ferry House at the beginning of last season Facker Duderie put him in his place so, so he went back over hurdles again like he still has the potential to be a very good chaser. And this is a horse who's just continually improving. We know that he'll go well at Cheltenham and possibly just a bit more of a ride consciously trying to win the race might suit him a lot more because that run behind Honeysuckle on a distance and a track that probably just kind of didn't suit him for his running ability. I think uh, Ronald Pump is massively overpriced at 20 to 1. He missed Christmas because of a stone bruise. So yeah. arguably he he still has his hope. Thank God he was. He didn't let anyone down, but he should be going to Goran Park as well, you'd imagine. And his price could contract an awful lot after that because Keith Dunhill and Matthew Smith and everyone connected with that horse were, were quietly very confident going into Christmas. So it's um, he's 20 to 1. That looks a big price. The storyteller's one on the day that I'd back. Just he's really is ground dependent. Um, but I taught Ronald Pump there at 20 to 1, Dean, considering there's there's no fear about staying. He, he's a real improving horse. And I just thought that that's... That's a very big price, as much though I'll caveat that um from the front of the market, Time Hill is far and away the one that I like the most. Yeah, I think it seems that you know the the panel here, Paddy, yourself and myself think Time Hill is the one out of the top two in the market. But I mean there is the the fascinating idea that last year's winner could turn up on the day at around thirty three to one, which would be pretty remarkable. It doesn't happen very often at a Cheltenham Festival that a returning uh, champion could go off that price. I, mean, I guess it might show something in between now and then. Um, but you'd imagine their target will only be about being ready for the for one day, and that would be that would be an interesting move. I see some others in the betting that you know maybe people would be interested in. If indication was to step back from uh, from fences, that one's in there at around twenty five to one. Um, I guess that would be an interesting runner in in the, in the race. And we did mention flooring Porter. Um, it's done nothing wrong and, and now enters calculations. So I do think it's a it's it's a cracking division. If we were going to summarise, then Dermo, you're interested in the storyteller ground would be interesting on the day, of course, and the the, the slightly bigger prices around maybe and a little bit underestimating Ronald Pump. And I'd have to echo that. Paddy suggested as well that Ronald Pump would be um you know perhaps a little bit of each way value right now given what it did last year in the race. And I, I think that's a case well made. Um, but it is brilliant to have a staying division and one that you know there are actual um you know, rivalries and, and puzzles to be solved in here that maybe we've lacked a little bit in the past. So I'm delighted with that. Um, okay, thanks very much. That was the stayers hurdle. And prior to that, we did the champion hurdle. Um, after this very quick break, we're going to come back and take a look at the weekend racing to come. You've been listening to The Race Hour, brought to you by bookmakers.co.uk, your best bet for tips, news and bookmaker reviews. Hello and welcome back to The Race Hour, third and final part of this week's uh, podcast, brought to you with our friends at bookmakers.co.uk. Dermot Nolan, Paddy Aspel, 
and myself, Dean Ryan. We're going to take a look at some of the weekend racing to come uh, from Ascot. Bit of Taunton thrown in. And uh, if by any chance it's uh, not completely underwater, Haydock is supposedly on. At the minute, the miracle looks like it could come off as we record this on Thursday afternoon. So we will touch on those races. Uh, we may not spend hours on them, though, given that chances are it won't make it. But let's hope. OK, why don't we kick off with the 115 at Ascot um, on Saturday. It's the Mayor's Grade 2, uh, registered as the Warfield. Um, a, a horse that we were talking about just briefly only uh, before the break there. Uh, Roxana for Skelton's uh, is head in the market at odds on at the moment. Uh, Magic Light is coming over for Jessica Harrington and she's put John Joe O'Neill Jr. up at around 5-2. Uh, Eglatine Desoy is yet to get off the mark for Paul Nichols since switching from uh, Willie Mullins and a couple of outsiders in Coded Message and Midnight Tune. That sets the scene. They are the five uh, runners. Uh, Dem, I might come to you first. Interesting, I saw Jessica Harrington complaining. Well, I don't know if she was complaining, but just letting people know that, you know, there are these extra burdens now um, after Brexit on these Irish runners coming over. And we've had Willie Mullins, I think, test the water. Now we've had Jesse test the water and there's extra costs and it's all getting a little bit messy. They've got to get this sorted, haven't they? They have to, yeah, Dean. And, you know, you'd understand from not that we not that on the race hour podcast we want to ever be expressing uh, sympathy with Boris Johnson but you'd uh, you'd you'd understand for politicians and people involved that you know they, they've bigger fishes to fry at the moment than um, horses coming from Ireland to England to race um, so that's my concern going into Cheltenham that how much of a priority is this going to actually be given on a kind of a national scale you know like like, yeah, like uh, yeah you know like our hospitals are full here in ireland the, the uk is approaching that as well so they're can you imagine approaching me hall martin our 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 t-shock or boris johnson and saying but, but what about jessica harrington's runner in the 115 at ascot on saturday boris um you know it, it's it, it's um it's something well, that let, let me put it another way to you demo though given that there is all this hassle and extra stuff that jesse's had to go through to get magic light over to ascot makes it a bet doesn't it it makes it a bet, definitely. Um, but like I don't know, Roxana looks 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 a step above these in a way. And Magical Light, we just thought it was odd. Like uh, Magical Light's big aim is still the Grand National, you'd assume again. Um, so surely there were there was easier races. So yeah, I mean the, the horse must be absolutely flying at home. Roxana does carry in stronger form now. You know, there's there can be no questioning that that was a that was a big run behind Time Hill, and uh, possibly we didn't give that horse enough of um of yeah. Of credit either because you know that horse was very much in that reckoning jumping the last and uh, before that had won well as well so magical light i just find it odd because i think magical light has a bit to go to reach roxana the the ratings kind of reflect that and um i just think this this race tells more of a story about the irish coming to cheltenham i think in my heart of hearts dean that the irish will be there it's just my 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 worry would be for a a smaller yard you know like the the vat issue is the bigger issue that they have to pay a percentage of the horse's overall value and get it back sure. in three months like yeah. you know like the likes of the horse that i fancy for the um for the stairs hurdle and ronald pump i don't know anything about their owners but you know like matthew smith's a small yard like there's not many people that can have that amount of money tied up for for three months so that's the that's the real concern here but i think as much as it's a big call by jessica I think uh, Roxana will still be very hard to beat there. I have a suggestion for any businesses out there dealing like kind of, you know, bail bonds or insurance or whatever, get in touch with the Irish Trainers Association, offer to take a small fee for covering this cost and uh, they will make some money. Just throw it out there. Uh, this is very simple to organise, I would imagine. Someone needs to get on that. Um, yeah, OK. Um, just mention Magical Light. Jesse doesn't normally waste the time of sending this over. Came to Newbury, one, came to Ascot and one, came to Newbury and one again. 
Um, prior to that, ran uh, Aintree, of course, behind Tiger Roll in the Grand National. Um, came to Hunterdon, came second, came to Ascot and won, came to Newbury and won, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Paddy, uh, five to two against Roxana, or is Roxana in that form behind Paisley Park and Time Hill uh, likely to be too good? Yeah, well, Magic of Light, she's looking to bring a hat-trick of wins up in this race, isn't she? And I mean, I think she's been an absolute cracking mare for Jesse Harrington. I mean, second in an Ashley behind Tiger Roll. And, you know, they've they've just uh, flip-flopped between chasing and hurdling. And, you know, they both seem to, to come alike and uh, come here off the back of a win. Yeah, there's six pounds between them here. And they, <clears throat> they do got a race off levels. But I don't know, I think... I think course and distance form for me is very strong. Uh, Roxanne is a very good mare, slightly younger legs also, and is rated yeah. higher. But I think the fact that Jesse is going to that cost of getting this mare over, um, that would be a real tick in the box for me with Magical Light. Yeah, I'd be taking on um, Roxana with, with Magical Light. Uh, just at the prices, you know, prices is, is everything really. Five to two versus the six to four on, and I, I think they're pretty evenly matched. Um, so this will be fascinating. Eglatine de Soy just hasn't fired yet. Um, as they would have hoped for Paul Nichols and Harry Cobden. But on her best efforts, <clears throat> you couldn't rule the seven-year-old out, although she's got even a bit more to find on um, Roxana than Magical Light does at the ratings. OK, why don't we move on to the 130 at Haydock. This is another grade two uh, novices. Uh, it's a supreme trial in name. And we have um, Lan... Someone might have to help me with this, but Lan Denarbo, lad, uh, for Tom Simons and Nico de Boinville, currently 7-4. Manella Drama... Uh, for Don McLean and Sam Twist and Davis at threes. Favwa, who I thought uh, might be the interesting one in this contest for Dan Skelton and Bridget Andrews, is there at seven to two. It's four to one, Nada de Prado, who's won his last two, and another uh, dual winner on the bounces. Anything for love, uh, Jamie Snowden, Gavin Sheen. This, uh, for, for just being five runners, um, Paddy looks pretty looks pretty tight anyway in terms of even in the betting. I mean, Jamie Snowden's horse is the outsider, but you know has, what, 10 pounds to find, and at this stage, it's, anything is possible, really. They're, they're tilting. Yeah, it, it is a tight race. I mean, we've got the two mares taking on the boys. And, I mean, two or three of these are going up in grade, so they have got a bit to to prove. But they are on the improve, and we've got plenty of course form as well on offer. I mean, <clears throat> a couple of them are, are course winners, and they've proved that they cope with deep ground. I mean, I was just looking there at what Kirkland Tellwright was saying. I mean, they've they had might need to swim. over 90 mil of rain. Um, yeah, yeah. They had standing water yesterday that he said wasn't there today. But... I mean, they're going to need, there's no two ways about it. They, they need dry weather between now and Saturday. And I mean, we've had absolutely bucket loads here the last two days. But to be fair today, um, the sun's splitting the stones. So if they're having that on the on the west side of the country, uh, they could have a little squeak. Um, okay. You know, but I mean, for me, I would probably be with um, Leland and Abo Lad because although he came up a bit short last time, He's coming back in grade here into a into a grade two. I think his form is very, very strong, to be honest. I mean, Nico's getting the leg up for the first time. Dickie's been on board, but um yeah. and, and the last time he met Manella Drama, uh, beat him quite comfortably. So I think I, I'd be happy to be with the highest rated here, Lilinda Nabolad. Yeah, happy to be with the favourite, as you say, Nico taking over from Dickie Johnson. Uh, for Tom Simons. Uh, demo selection here, albeit you may need to find one that can swim, as we mentioned. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, the, only, the only comment on this race is that I quite like my Drogo um, for something like the Supreme. Sure. If he was to go and he beat the the favourite last time. So very interested. Um, hopefully this race is on, but there's no point wasting too much time because it just doesn't look like um, Haydock will will make the cut. So uh, Landon Avalad, the exact same 
very happy to back him. I think he is the best of these. And with an eye on my Drogo going forward, I hope he does the business. That's the bit of form you want to follow. Yeah. And uh, and the market agrees at this point. Uh, the 150 at Ascot is the um, the Holloway's handicap hurdle, grade three, uh, over two mile, three and a half furlongs. We've got light squeeze at the top of this for Harry Fry, whose team are in good order. Sean Bowen will ride that. Danny Kerwin, who's uh, on a little bit of a retrieval now and reaching a stage of his career where he does need to kick on a bit. He's off 133 uh, for this hurdle. Paul Nichols and Harry Cobden. Arriva Dirchi, who... Um, was was very well fancied when uh, getting punted in for the last couple of races, but hasn't delivered for for the O'Neills, John Joe and John Joe O'Neill Jr. Uh, they top the market at the moment. A uh, little bit of unexposed flesh in behind these as well from, from some of the other runners. A uh, good race, Demo. Really, really good race, Dean. And um, I thought, like, Janika, very interesting, bouncing back off that rating uh, um, on hurdles. Obviously, yeah. a bit of a break to overcome. So this is definitely... A deep race um even botox has started the season off very well and kind of drifted off afterwards so you, you couldn't put off uh, put anybody off any of these but i'm kind of keen to forgive um arriva dirty that that last effort i mean that was he was very very good a weatherby um looked looked a winner for all intents and purposes was a one and second when fell three out at uh at haydock two runs ago and last time that was a race where i really fancied the horse that finished fourth Benson and that was just a case that day in my opinion where not so sleepy just ran them all into the floor you know they not much came from the back the only one that kind of pretty much came from the back was um was Benson and uh Belfast Banter so Ariba Durchi he was midfield that day but just kind of just didn't seem to enjoy the pace and everything else so I'd be willing to, to forgive that run he's eight to one here he's still a very classy animal I still think there's an awful lot in him off a mark of 137 the fact that they've pitched him into a handicap this good yet again kind of backs that up and um off 11 stone two he gets in off a nice weight and I just thought that uh Arriba Dirty has if you can forgive that last run which I am willing to completely I just think that was one of those races where you just couldn't couldn't kind of lay a glove on not so sleepy who's done that before to them and um, I just think he's a big chance here. Okay, I'm uh, willing to to give Aruba Dirch another chance. I'm sure uh, there'll be a bit of money around for it as well because they do hold it in decent regard. And that marker one three seven probably be exploited soon enough. Paddy, over to you. Um, I thought this stiff track would really suit uh, Kate, and especially now that they've done his wind, uh, they put the cheap pieces on, and I mean, only did just hang on at entry the last day. But I think he's a horse who wants to be on the scene maybe a bit later. Um, uh, the, the, or as late as possible, should I say. I think Brian Hughes would be absolutely perfect for this boy. I mean, he has got plenty of weight for the grade 11 stone four. Um, but yeah, it's wide, wide open this. And so it should be for the money, but probably Cateson and the horse right down the bottom as well. Craig Niche, we've not seen this horse for 375 days. But if you look down yeah. through, his, <clears throat> through his form, he's got some very, very nice form. Wasn't far behind the big breakaway on a second start over hurdles. And to me, he's a horse, albeit he's had he's maybe had a little issue. I think this stiff track off 10 stone six would be right up his street. Okay. Interesting shout. Um and you know, returning the horse for Nicky Henderson uh, always needs to be uh, kept in mind. I thought Nordano was overpriced. Um uh, the two runs this season are not gonna light up any uh, any kind of brainwaves, but the two spins at Ascot last um, last season behind Goshen and then beating Malaya, all you know, absolutely routing a field at this track. 
um, in similar conditions in, in February last year. Um, we put this horse right in the mix. Now, the handicapper hasn't really relented too much, only dropping it a couple of pounds for two bad spins. But as the outsider of the field, I thought Nordano, uh, if there was one to, to bounce back to form, would be um, would be right in the in the mix in this 150. And it looks a really good uh, race, that Holloway's handicap. Uh, grade three at 150 at Ascot. Moving on to Taunton, the 210 there, which is going to figure on uh, the terrestrial TV action. And uh, Yala Enki, probably due a win this term, is going to take on uh, uh, some nice horses in the Portman Cup chase. If the Caps Fitz is in there for Harry Fry, uh, Philip Hobbs is going to run Rock the Casbah um, back after a long enough break. And the Mighty Don, who's been uh, mixing it in decent enough company for Nick Gifford and James Davies. Paddy, um, decent stay in chase this three mile four and a half furlongs take a bit of getting as well on soft ground at Taunton oh it definitely will I mean Taunton themselves have had had their fair share of water as well but um, yeah Lenke <clears throat> he won this last year and I mean although he has not won a race since run some cracking races in defeat I mean massive run in the the Welsh Grand Nasher where you know he had 11 stone 12 on his back but got a, a good canny yeah. ride off Brownie Frost where in, in a race it paid to be up on the front end and you know he was only beaten three and a quarter lengths and so massive race they're actually going back at him quite quick um considering how grueling a race that can be the welsh national but obviously takes his race and very very well and i mean this is a fairly small but quite select field but either yala enki at the weights here i mean he's rated 161 and he's actually getting weight from dr newland's horse at the top so he could be quite well in here albeit yeah. Al Rock, the, the one I mentioned, he's a complete blank page as, as as far as UK form goes. And, you know, Dr. Newland, the horse rate 158, you know, he's not going to have picked him up for pennies. So he, he could be interesting. OK, I think that is interesting. And like I think the reason Paul Nichols, and he does like to race his horses aggressively, is going to the well again so soon with Yala Enki, is the conditions of this race, Dermot, they do look ideal. Absolutely. Ideal, Dean. And, um, but it's just that was a very, very hard... I mean, this horse is as tough as anything. But that was a crazily hard run. You're talking 12 days ago in the Welsh Grand yeah. National. Like, like he, he's made of something very special. We know that. He's, he's as tough as they come. But I don't know. You'd have to be taking him on at odds on um, as much as he's he's well in here. That That's an incredibly tough race. Now, he does he does take his racing well, obviously. You know, he he, he ran well in the, in the Welsh Grand National last year and went on to win this race there afterwards. So, this kind of mightn't be be much of an issue for him, but there's a much shorter turnaround this time around. So I don't know. I'd be kind of quite happy. And the one at kind of decent odds at 14 to one or so, I I thought the mighty Don could could run a big race here. He, he's a horse who's to me has always screamed out that he wants a staying trip. Um, he's a horse who has ran well in the Stayers Hurdle before at Cheltenham. He was only eight yeah. year that um that Paisley Park won it, and last time out he was. He jumped deplorably at Cheltenham, as in he just, sorry, deplorably is far too harsh, but he just kind of, the those Cheltenham fences don't really suit him. I think Taunton will suit him an awful lot more. And I just thought that with a staying trip like this, uh, the Mighty Don is absolutely no back number. And at, at 14 to 1 or so, I thought that uh, he'd have a say, because as much as I like, if the cap fits, his um, his jumping didn't isn't really holding up at the moment. He he doesn't look um like a like, like a natural tracer so far. Rock the Casbah ran very well in this last year, but Yalenki probably holds him. So like the kind of the more you go down the field, the more you look at the kind of mighty Don as being the horse that might have a kind of a step up in him. And um a trip like this after how well he seemed to stay last time at Cheltenham is definitely up his locker. So a 14 to one I just thought that the uh, mighty Don was uh, potentially 
uh, kind of a, a cheap uh, win betting. Okay, James Davies dropped up for Nick Gifford on the Mighty Don, and that is the 210 at Taunton. Now, assuming that Haydock is on, we might get to see Royal Pagale again for Venetia Williams, uh, Susanna Ritchie Colours, of course, and Tom Schoonamore. Um, likely to go up a short enough favourite for the Peter Marsh. Hopefully it's on, Demo. But, I mean, if it is on, is that is that the horse you'd fancy to come out on top? They've got big ambitions, I guess, now, after it's really burst onto the scene as a seven-year-old chaser. They do. Again, we, we won't waste too much time here, but uh, Royal Pagal, I think we'll learn an awful lot about him, but like, the, Sam Brown absolutely loves these these conditions at Haydock, and you know, like you're you're stepping into his garden kind of, and horses that go well at Haydock and heavy ground are, are a real kind of diamond dozen, and ho- horses to follow every time, and uh, like this horse last year absolutely hammered um, a field here, um, and just, he did it so easily that you, you just kind of say to yourself that, God, you, you know, he really loved it all together. And I think as much as Royal Pagale will, will run well because a very smart horse and might just be completely outside of the league here, I think given form to a, a core specialist like Sam Brown could just be a step too far for him. So especially with uh, Ben Godfrey claiming five pounds as well. So I think if this race is on, um, Sam Brown will be the one that I'm backing, but uh, Royal Pagale would be going forward. He will be the, uh, the best of these. Yeah, he's been he's been super exciting for Venetia, and it's nice to see a Susanna uh, Ritchie and Rich Ritchie coloured horse, um, out, you know, in the UK and, and racing and doing well for Venetia Williams. Um, I'd be interested in AC Milan in there off a low weight for Anthony Honeyball and Rex Dingo. I thought it ran really well, um, beating Smackwater Jack at Aintree last year, and, and I think there's there's a bit more to come in it, albeit hasn't quite gone to plan yet. Um, over fences so far so I, I'd be thinking AC Milan could run a big race off a low weight Paddy a view on this race should it go ahead the, the Peter Marsh I think Royal Pagal um, this is a yeah. he's serious serious ability I mean when he won a Haydock two starts back I think the second is a very good horse Esparta Rome he beat him by seven lengths and I mean that Kempton race like Captain Ord had won a red red hot handicap at Newbury the time before and he gave Captain Ord a stone. Um, and Captain Ord was 20 lengths clear of double shuffle the third that day. So, I mean, Captain Ord was probably the most unlucky horse to be in the race that Royal Pagal turned up. Um, but he gave him weight. He gave him a beating. And, yeah, he looks very, very exciting. And uh, I listened to Venetia this morning talking about Royal Pagal. And she said, obviously, he's got more to find of one five six, but you know they're still learning about the horse, and I, I think he's very very good. Yeah, he's an exciting one to see at Haydock. Should uh, the meeting go ahead, and fingers crossed it does. That's the Peter Marsh, the two forty at Haydock on Saturday. <clears throat> uh, similar type of contest, got another handicap chase at Ascot uh, at three o'clock over two mile five, so slightly shorter distance, obviously. Um, Paddy, I might come to you first in this. Um, I thought Windsor Avenue was an interesting runner here for Brian Ellison and Brian Hughes. Uh, that's around a seven to one mark, but the market headed by that old stalwart Benny's King, who um who bounced right back for the skeletons last time. Yeah, it's so consistent. Uh, yeah. Benny's King, isn't he? Like you say, he arrives here off the back of a good win last time, and I mean, one by six lengths, you know, with plenty of weight on his back. Um, he's a horse who in the past has benefited from his return run, so you know, he certainly wasn't winning out of turn last time and he actually finished second in this race which I thought was a bit of an interesting angle because Domaine Delisle of Sean Curran's he's back back down to the last winner he's not won a race since he won this race Um, 
last time. He's back down to the last win of mark at 140. Dave Bass, for whatever reason, I don't know, hasn't ridden him since he won this race on him. But put a pair of blinkers on him. Now, he ran over hurdles the last day and he was well beat, so I wouldn't really take that much notice of that run. Sean Curran, he's not been having a bad time of it uh, of all lately. So I think he's interested now. He's still only eight, Domaine Delisle. Like I say, back down to a mark of 140. They generally drop this horse in. Um, so whether with the first-time blinkers, that's what they're still going to do. But I think he's very, very interested here now, back down off his, his old mark with 10 stone 12 on his back. Yep, makes a lot of sense. Course and distance winner, of course, from last time round. Back on 140, Sean Curran. Uh, the trainer with David Bass back on board. I mean, that makes plenty of appeal there, Damo. Over to you for this handicap chase. Uh, yeah, the exact same. I thought uh, Domain Delisle was very interesting because he meets Benny King off uh, off much better ratings as well. This horse only eight. Like he's he's had he's had some some tough runs, obviously, and you know he he um, went to Chepstow was kind of beaten well by Secret Reprieve, but an awful lot of horses kind of didn't get into that. And then last time over hurdles, that that did just look like kind of a straightener of a run. So. He's uh, 16 to 1. He's come in from, from 20s. Got David Bass back on board. The um, the the blinkers are very interesting addition. So I thought him at 16 to 1. And then at 12 to 1 as well, then Dean, I thought that uh, Jerry's back could be very interesting because he is literally back because he hasn't ran since the 21st of December 2019 here at Ascot when he was uh, only three lengths behind Regal Encore, which was a big run because Regal Encore absolutely kind of he loves that track. And when you go back through this horse's form over fences, he was second here at Ascot to Vindication by a length and a half. And he's got some some very decent form. Um, and the fact that uh, Philip Hobbs obviously thinks he has him, him straight enough to kind of, you know, to pitch him straight into a race like this with Dickie on his back. So I thought that whilst the front of the market's very interesting, um, I just thought that each of them have enough flaws that the likes of a, a Jerry's back and particularly Domain Delisle is very interesting. Yeah. At the odds. Okay, another another shout then for Domain Delisle. I'm going to stick with Windsor Avenue, and I think you could draw a line through the run at Cheltenham. But prior to that, close enough up behind Imperial Order, and then just stretched perhaps at Weatherby the last day behind Canelo. And I think this slight drop and chip um, will really suit the nine-year-old. I think the 147 is a workable mark for that three o'clock at Ascot. Demo, quick word on the 315 at Haydock, uh, Bouvardier. Fingers crossed, comes back and is able to account for uh, Baliandi and Navajo Pass, who uh, came back to life after being having a good juvenile season by winning well for Donald McCain the last day. So only three runners for the new one, Unibet Hurdle. Should it be on? Uh, Bouvardier back on track, hopefully. Yeah, he has he has Sandown as a backup anyway. So we will see Bouvardier very shortly. Yeah, look, he, yeah. he should be winning this as nice as Baliandi is. Baliandi could take advantage of maybe there there is something more wrong with Bouvardier, but the noises have been... Have been very good, so hopefully this race is on and Bouvardier does win. And uh, a nice mention as well for uh, for Navajo Pass, which is a, a nice bit of placing by uh, Donald McKean because he'll yeah. pick up at least five grand for that. And I've, I've always wondered, Dean, if it was possible to to buy a horse like that and then just kind of put him into these races that, that you're hoping there's only three runners and see if you could uh, turn a profit for the year by by running in all these these races where there's only two or two or three runners in them. Um, but um, but yeah, hopefully this horse wins it. Yeah, hopefully Bouvardier back on track, Paddy. That's what we'd like to see. Yeah, you would think so. Uh, he's won after a break as well. And obviously, the last time we've seen him, he only went down narrowly in the fighting fifth. But he picked up that that injury with the with that real bad birch injury on his on his foot. Yeah, so, yeah very very interesting. I mean, the thing is, he's so well in at the weights here. I mean, 
he's getting weight from it from Ballyandy here and you know he's rated six pounds superior so yeah let's fingers crossed that that they get the go ahead yes was what we would like to see uh paddy i'm going to come to you first on the on the clarence house the 335 at ascot it's the final race we're going to talk about this weekend unless anyone wants to throw anything else into the mix um fascinating really to see politologo at the top of his game as, as a 10 year old and, and quite rightly heads a market for this and um, waiting patiently who, who put in such a big comeback run and is likely to run for ruth jefferson and brian hughes is a, is a fly in the ointment, so to speak, because this trip is very interesting for waiting patiently. And Deffy Desoy on a retrieval mission. Now, Deffy would never be 9-2 if we hadn't had the pulled-up run and what happened at Cheltenham, but we have had those efforts. Yeah, I mean, look, the, the, the Cheltenham race, I think I would try not to take that much notice of it because, you know, he he, he was very big at the first. He looked awkward, and he, he just actually looked on the day to have a real sulk. He'd never come out of a hat canter. Um, yeah. Hobbsy, you know, had a good day at Newbury yesterday. The string just look in a little bit of a better place now. So I certainly just wouldn't put a line straight through Deffy, obviously, last year's winner of this race as well. And I was looking through waiting patiently's records um, this morning. I mean, what an incredible horse. I mean, he hasn't actually won a race since February 2018. Uh, yeah. But nonetheless, that's because we just haven't seen that much of him. But just the range is a trip. I mean, he's gone from the minimum to two and a half, up to three, back down to the minimum. Obviously, I mean, behind Deffy, he ran into Tingle Creek. That's not even two mile. Um, yeah. You know, he's just an incredible horse. And he was only a length behind him. And then he flashed home in the in the King George the other day. Like, you know, he, he needed he needed another home straight. He's a, he's a funny horse. Um, plenty, plenty of ability. But obviously, Brian Hughes knows him better than anybody and he looked the last day like he was in pains to go for him and let him down or whether he just knows the horse that well he knows when he's running and when he's in top gear um right it's interesting it's interesting but that back down at the minimum yeah there's no doubt he's a very very talented horse and they have had to supplement him but i think for me it's difficult to be against the gray horse here politologue um very good record at the track and Obviously, Harry knows him well, so you don't need to take any sort of uh, the fact that Harry Skelton isn't riding him, that Cobden is back on board. He knows him well, and but it's a good lineup. It's a it's a very very yeah. strong race, but I, I'd I'd be with um be with the Nickel Tars here for little log. Be with the the inform uh, bang inform politologue. Yeah, I, I I can understand that. I mean, I'm I'm very intrigued by Deffy Desoy, and I'd love Deffy to run a good race, but not quite get it done. And they start thinking about the Ryanair. And that's what I'd like to see from this. I won't be having a bet in the race, but that's what I'd like to see. Let's see Deffy not win, but show enough that maybe the step up and trip and the Ryanair at the Cheltenham Festival would be the right race to go for. So, Dermot, that's what I'm hoping. I mean, you must be excited to see Waiting Patiently again. Yeah, massively, Dean. I, I, I'm quite confident in him, really. I mean, um, uh, Deffy Desai, there's, there's, there's definitely more to him because Dickie, an interview I saw during the week, he, he seemed quite confident now that the horse was back. Um, so... You know, again, as Paddy said, Dickie doesn't kind of go overboard in what he says ever, but he just seemed to be kind of purring along with him now that the, the prices wouldn't back that up, but I wouldn't be too worried about that either. Um, mm. He definitely, if def if it's a fully fit Deputy Desai and a fully fit and motoring politologue, you'd back Deputy Desai every single time. So it's um, that is extremely interesting. But I just think, uh, waiting patiently, he is a very, very, uh, a very funny horse. And like, Ruth Jefferson has said she just doesn't think this horse actually has a trip. Um, he kind of runs the same way each time and that he he he's brilliant at just kind of falling asleep in a race and, and just trapping around. That was a huge run in the King George. Um, and then at Sandown, but like Sandown the year before, uh, we obviously didn't see him for a year because he'd had a problem. 
um, that was an even bigger run. You know, like he, he came from nowhere that day to fly home. And it was under so and Defi Desai ahead of him. Had it, if there was any further in that race, he was going to win. And Politlo was back in fifth that day. So, like, waiting patiently, I love the fact that they've supplemented him because that shows how well that he is at home. And he's 10 years old now, so there's no more kind of kind of waiting with him. Um, and it's not anyone's fault. This horse has just had his problems. But every single step of the way with this horse, he's been an absolute class act. I mean, you know, he went up to a mark of 170 after he hammered Q-Card over two miles five here. This is well worth a go. And at five to two, I just think that the odds, he's the one, he's the one, obviously, Politolo, is the form horse over this trip, but the two miles one here or two miles and a bit will will really suit Wade patiently, and I think he's uh, he's a cracking bet a five to two. Day. Yep, you're confident about it. It's just a shame now, isn't it, that he's ten years old? Because if they hadn't have had the issues they'd had and maybe ducked a few targets just to, for you know, obviously in the best interest of the horse and it's there's the train, but waiting patiently, as Paddy said, looking back through the form, you know, could have almost been anything. We didn't yeah. quite get to see the best of it yet. And it would be great if at this stage of the career they can go and win a few big ones. So um, hats off to uh, to them. It's also very clever, isn't it? Because they've they've kind of left themselves now with plenty of options. Had they waited right. for got Chase and that went wrong, they had no option then afterwards. If he runs well here over two miles or wins it like I think he will, then that opens up a heavy ground champion chase or the Ryanair to him, you know? So like, yeah. this is, this yeah. is very clever from Ruth Jefferson and everyone involved because her interview on ITV after he didn't win the King George, she was gutted, absolutely gutted yeah. as, as yeah. you would be. So this, this horse is clearly, he's absolutely thriving at home. And I, I think he's, he's an excellent horse. Yeah, big few months uh, for connections and Ruth Jefferson, of course, with waiting patiently. They could, um, you know, finally get the, the payoff they deserve with a horse with bags and bags of ability. OK, that is the wrap for the Race Hour podcast this week. I do need to get some naps off you. I'll go first while you uh, compose yourself, gents. And I'm going to go in that three o'clock at Ascot with uh, Windsor Avenue for Brian Ellison and Brian Hughes. Uh, it's currently around the seven, eight to one mark. And I think there's a, there's a bit more to come from the nine year old. Hopefully this trip will prove ideal at the weekend. So Windsor Avenue for me. Uh, Demo, why don't you go? Uh, yeah, perfect. Uh, there's just uh, two others as well, Dean. Um, just the uh, Wolf Prince on Saturday in the 157 at uh, Navin. He's ran some big races in better races than this, and he's still he's still rated quite well. So uh, Wolf Prince in the 157 at Navin, and then the yep. uh, 342 at Navin on Saturday. Miracle Medina, this was a horse a good few years ago who was, who was touted as, as something very special. Injuries have gotten away, but he ran very well at Limerick over Christmas in third for Gordon Elliott and JP McManus. The second from that race has gone on to win since. So this is a low grade stuff, but, but he's a horse who's, who's kind of coming around. He's 10 years old now, so they won't be uh, messing around with his mark or anything. So the 342 at Navin on Saturday, miracle in Medina and then just just kind of one more shout as well for uh, Turles on Sunday just for people to uh, tune into Statler is the current favorite for the Albert Bartlett and he's uh, he's meant to run in the 2:30 at um at Turles on Sunday and that race of course is the one that the uh, Monkfish took in before winning the Albert Bartlett so that is extremely interesting and that's a brilliant card on Sunday but uh, you kind of been hoping for declarations before that but my my nap of the weekend is um is waiting patiently fair enough waiting patiently to get the job done in uh in the big one of course uh, ascot there on saturday at 335 paddy uh give us your uh your your main thing well there was a couple i liked at ascot um yeah i think crossy tender in the 225 he's a horse who has really been on the improve um 
for Paul Henderson today. But unfortunately, Tom O'Brien is having to go elsewhere. So Dicky gets the leg up on him here. He's a horse who really doesn't do an awful lot in front. So he's actually looked after his mark, uh, considering he's been he's not been out of the, the, the three in his last six starts. Um, so he's a horse who could still have a bit of room to manoeuvre off one, two, five. But my nap is in the 10 past four. Um, Paul Nichols' horse here, Jeremy Pass. I think this is a proper horse. It, luckily, the sire is, is having a real good run of Lady, the couple of winners at air the other day. And um, that race to the uh, one at Wing Camden the last day, he beat a real good horse in Sizable Sam. And yeah. I didn't think he was maxed out to win that race. I've not seen him since. That was the middle of November. Um, but for me, he looks to be a horse who's got plenty of ability here in Jeremy Pass. Yeah, could be super exciting, that one. That's in the 410 at Ascot, Farry Cobden and Paul Nichols, Jeremy Pass. Okay, lads, thanks very much. Uh, you've been listening to the Race Hour podcast, brought to you with our friends at bookmakers.co.uk. Thanks to Dermot Nolan and Paddy Aspel, and we'll do it all again next week. You all take care.